<laughs> All right. Um, how many of you know it's difficult uh, sometimes to to get uh, advice from secular things um, and teaching from secular things when you have the answer? <laughs> I say that because I, I try to... Um, look at most things objectively, and especially when I study for, for sermons, I look at a lot of studies, uh, like psychological studies, and different things like that, because I want to see what the world's saying, what they're looking for, and what they're seeing. And I find it very interesting, and it's very good, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, missteps there, and there's a lot of really good things there. There's a lot of things that they're right on, right on track with. They're just a little bit off where they miss, you know, the answer which we have, which is Jesus. Um, but there was an instance this week uh, where this happened, uh, and as I was studying, it fell right into what I was already going to teach. And uh, it was a video a friend of mine sent to me. And it was about 15 to 18 minutes, which is like an eternity <laughs> for us these days because we're so, yeah, it is. It's sad. But it's where we, and that's what I'm about to talk about. So don't, don't say it's sad yet. <laughs> but anyway, so somebody sent it to me. I was like, oh, I don't have time for this. But let me check it out when I get a minute. So I got a minute. I checked it out. Sure enough, it was very interesting. And I'll tell you what it was about. It, it was it was, and the thing that got my attention was millennials. It said something about millennials. And I've read a couple things recently about millennials. And it's a pretty broad generalization of, of kids born, I think, after 84. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of, like I said, broad generalizations that I don't agree with all of them, but like the whole beanbag chairs and coffee and skinny jeans and glasses and that whole thing. It's, and this, just this generation coming up. And a lot of people call them entitled and, and like they don't have any work ethic and these kind of things. And there's these, there's these broad generalizations on these things. Um, but he was addressing that, so I was like, I'm interested. He got me. He hooked me. I was interested. Let me check it out. And so, uh, so I checked it out, and sure enough, he was a very intelligent guy uh, and, and began to just go through the list of, of the issues that he saw with millennials. Uh, and so as he went through, he named off several things, but the main emphasis he focused on was social media, um, which is kind of a hot topic with, with, with everyone and millennials in, in general, too. And one of the things he, he mentioned... Uh, uh, bad parenting through no fault of their own. Sometimes they've gotten a, a bad example for parenting. Some of them, there are all these other, but the, the main one was, uh, was social media. And it was that, that everything's instant. We all, all the millennials seek instant gratification. They want, they want it right now. They want it right now. They want it right now. They don't want to wait. Um, if, if you, you know, you want to see what's going on in people's lives, you can check it out right away. If you um, want, want to watch a, a movie or something, you just watch it whenever you want. You don't have to wait for the episodes. You can binge watch a whole season, right? You can binge watch a whole season. And some people even wait until the end just so they can binge watch a whole season um, so they don't have to wait because we don't, they say millennials are impatient. They, they, they're, they're impatient. And then they, it said that they, uh, they seek deep and meaningful relationships is one of the things that he noted. But they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get to them. And so he said that, that instead of, uh, and like I said, some of this makes sense, but he said instead of you know, going through the awkward stage of going to talk to a girl when you're single, you know, uh, and I, I was reminded of a story I just heard somewhere else about a guy going up to a girl, and, and he, his, he was telling his friend, he was like, oh, she's cute, I want to go talk to her. And, and, uh, and he was like, well, go talk to her. The worst she could say is no. And so he goes up to her and starts to talk to her, and, and he said, hey, you know, you're beautiful, you want to go out on a date? And she says, get out of my face. <laughs> and so, so he goes back to his friend, he's like, you said the worst she could say was no, but obviously there was something worse, <laughs> because she could have just said no. But he said they don't have to go through that awkward stage because they can just swipe left or swipe right, right? Because they have apps now where you can date and, and look, look through people. Okay, I like this person. I don't like this. Now I'm, I'm accepted or I'm not accepted. Same thing with Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, those things. that He was saying they, they begin to have these, these filters, not just filters on Instagram, but filters in that 
uh, let me pull this camera from my double chin up here where you can't see it and take a picture, or, or let me, let me um, put out this loving relationship that I have with my girlfriend or my spouse or whoever it is that's not real. And so they put it out there and it's not real. It's not a reality. It's, it's something that they're portraying to everyone. And so there's these filters that they put on. And so it goes on and on and on and, and talking about all these problems um, and these issues. And they were good. It was very interesting to hear it and see it. Um, but what I, what I found as I was going through um, was it's not just millennials that deal with this. It's this, this isn't a millennial issue. <laughs> he, he, he didn't address it as that. He really wanted to target that. It's kind of a hot topic, and it probably will sell lots of his books, which, by the way, when he got to the end of it, they were like, well, how do we find your book? Well, you find it in all the social media places, so you can go to all these places and find it. I know. It's, it was, he said it's kind of ironic. I know. But he, but he also said that he, he spent a lot of time, and I'm not, the guy's a great guy, and he has some, some really good insight. I'm not making fun of him because he's, he's, he's very intelligent. Unfortunately, I know the answer, so it's a little difficult for me to listen to all of it because it's a broader problem. And, and part of it was, at the end of it, he's selling his books, and he talked about he spent a lot of time with the narration, and then he even scented the books with a scent called optimism. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Give me a beanbag chair and a coffee. But anyway, the... the uh, <laughs> But anyway, he, he, he was very adamant about selling his book, and, and I imagine he probably has his own answers in there for, for some of these problems. But in the 18-minute-long video or whatever, he just basically talked about all the issues. He noted some, some problems, and the main focus was it was about businesses, of how now it's fallen on the businesses to take up the slack for bad parenting, for social media, for all this instant gratification. And his solutions in this video were don't take the phone out with you when you go out with friends because it's disrespectful to have it. And, and I agree with some of these things. I'm not saying these aren't bad practices. To, ha- to have it out there and you're talking to them and you're looking like that. And it's true, and, and, and we don't need to do that. And there are good practices that he had. But, uh, but at the end of it all, uh, what was it? He said he, his solution was that it's on the, the companies to take up the slack and begin to teach the, uh, the millennials to, have, to, to be patient and wait out and not want this instant gratification all the time. Like I said, it was all good information. The guy was a smart guy, and, and, and it was good. But unfortunately, I know that this is not a millennial problem. This is, this is from the beginning of time problem. We've always wanted a shortcut, right? We, this isn't new. We always wanted instant gratification. Just because we have better access to it now, we can, we can buy something on Amazon and have it you know, dropped off by a drone the next day. You know, I mean, this is, we have more access to it, but it's not a new issue. And see, that's, that's where I got stuck about midway through this video is like, he's not addressing the issue. He's addressing the symptoms. He's doing the same thing that we've done for years in the church. So we've, we've tried to address the issues and fix the issues and fix the surfacey stuff and trim the hedges but never get to the root of the problem. And so I was like, this is perfect because it goes right along with what I was talking about, what I wanted to talk about today. Um, and so one of the things, and, and one of the things he talked about in there was dopamine. How many of you know what dopamine is? Dopamine, for years they've said, is a chemical that's released that, that for years they said it was a... Can somebody throw me a water when you get a chance? Um, dopamine, dopamine is a chemical. No waters? No. Uh, there's, there's some in my office, if you can grab me one. I've just, had, I've just got scratchy throat lately. Um, thank you. i got like three or four people going to give me water. I'm so blessed. Um, don't, don't throw a bucket of water at me. <laughs> I can see y'all. I can see y'all thinking. Oh, yeah, I got you. This is going to be funny. All right, so, uh, so dopamine, <laughs> dopamine, they said for years, was a chemical that, that releases pleasure in, in the brain. Um, but they found recently, uh, and I found this this morning, this is what I like looking up all this stuff on the interwebs. Um, and they were, this was talking about social media, but then it went into other things. Every time we post, uh, post share, like, a com- uh, like, comment, or send an invitation online, uh, we are creating an expectation, according to the study. We feel a sense of belonging, 
um, and advance our concept of self. What's that sound like? Identity, right? We advance our concept of self. Thank you so much, Lonnie. Lonnie Honeycutt. He was dead and now he's alive. That never gets old. <laughs> you, can't, you can say that about some people, but not very many. Um, anyway, so, um, so this dopamine is released. Uh, so according to the study, we feel a sense of belonging um, and advance our concept of self through sharing. So it's talking about social media. And then it goes on to say, I skipped down a little bit um, because it was talking about evolution. So I didn't, <laughs> I did read it and it was interesting, but um, it was a different, going a different direction. Uh, this talks about uh, pleasure versus seeking. It says, you may have heard that dopamine controls the pleasure systems of the brain, that dopamine makes you feel enjoyment, pleasure, and therefore motivates you to seek out certain behaviors such as food, sex, and drugs. Um, recent research is changing this view. Instead of, do instead of dopamine causing you to experience pleasure, the latest research shows that dopamine causes seeking behavior. Now, this is interesting because I think they're getting closer to the real issue. They thought it was pleasure, but now they're saying it's seeking. Dopamine causes you to want, desire, seek out, and search. And so it's funny. They're, they're starting to see it. They're not seeing it the same way we see it, but they're getting closer. Here's the thing. Part of what that guy talked about Sorry, which I find is interesting is he was talking about an, an adolescence uh, kids begin to transition from being under their parents' wing to begin to going out and being social with other uh, peers. And so to cope with some of the things that people deal with, with insecurities and fears and different things with dealing with peers and other people, uh, a lot of people say that a lot of alcoholics start in their teens because of that reason because they can't cope. And so that's their coping mechanism to do that. And so he was, he was relating that to social media. So now you've given... Uh, the younger people's social media, so they begin to cope with things with another addiction, and they use social media as their addiction as far as likes and that kind of thing. And that was all interesting. Like I said, that, but to me, that's all surfacey things. He's still not getting to the heart of it. So this dopamine effect with seeking, uh, uh, wanting, and desiring, think about that. If that's, what's the, if that's what the addiction is, how, how broken are we when we are perpetually seeking something? How much closer to the real problem is that than just the pleasure part? Because we, I think most of us have found that the pleasure part does, is not sustainable. It, it falls, and it, it gives us, but then it takes away, and it gives us, and it takes away. It's not, it doesn't keep going. But the seeking, the anticipation, the, uh, the desire, that is what they're saying is this chemical, this dopamine, is the, is the seeking of it. And what do we find in lost people? We find that seeking. We want something. We don't know what it is, but we want something. We need something. This is what he said he found in, in the millennials is that they really, really wanted deep and meaningful relationships, but they didn't know how to get them. They would be at jobs for eight months and go, I think, I think I'm going to quit. And then, and then this guy would say, well, why? And he's like, well, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. And he's like, you've been here eight months. <laughs> like, they, they, they really, they really want to, I say they, all of us, really want to find purpose and we want to find that we're making a difference. Um, but not many of us are willing to take the long road to get there. And I speak for myself as well. Uh, and I'm not bashing social media, because I, I know that's not the problem. Now, there are, are there some practices that I got out of that that I may actually use? Yeah, there probably are. But those are surfacey things. The, the issue is that, that, that there's a bigger issue here, that there's a bigger problem. It's not social media or Amazon or Facebook or Twitter. It's none of these things. The issue is that we desire deep and meaningful relationships. We desire purpose. We desire Jesus. Amen. <laughs> we just don't, some of us don't know what to call it. We don't know what it looks like. And so I squash all the millennial talk because it's a human issue. It's not a millennial issue. Now, I'm glad I watched the video because it really got my wheels turning, especially with 
the younger generations come behind us. We need to recognize that. It's good to know, but at the same time, we need to know that we have the answer to it, and it's not in a smelly good book <laughs> by some, some guy. And, and it may be a great book, so I, I don't mean to down him, but I know that, that the answer is, is Jesus. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at three accounts uh, um, from three different people, three different perspectives. And uh, one's in Matthew 18, one's in Mark 9, 33, one's Luke 9, 46. And I, I'll tell you all that because I'm trying to slow down a little bit so y'all can keep up until we need to get where we can put scriptures up there too. Um, but these are all telling the same story from three different perspectives. Now what we find is we, we, when we, we look for you know, acceptance, rejection, um, dopamine, whatever it is, we, we try to find in this kind of race that we end up running with other people, right? We inadvertently begin to judge ourselves on the basis of what we see in other people's lives, whether it's through filters on Facebook or all the social media or whether it's real life and your neighbors and your friends or your family or anything. So we begin to run this race that we think that we're running, and unfortunately we run the wrong race, and we find ourselves a lot of times running a race that we're not even meant to run. Um, and so we begin to judge ourselves by ourselves or by our peers instead of, instead of looking to him for that. And this is what he's addressing right here. We've got three different uh, disciples that are, are having a bit of identity, identity crisis. They are, they are seeking the same things that millennials are seeking. They're seeking the same things that we are seeking. They're seeking purpose. They're seeking deep, uh, meaningful relationships. But they don't really know what to look for. And they don't, don't know what to call it. And so what they find themselves in is in a race against each other. And that's not where they need to be. Now, they've got the God incarnate in front of them. <laughs> they've got God with skin on. And they've seen some miraculous things. And at this point, they decide to, to ask him some stupid questions. <laughs> so basically, they're asking him who's going to be first in the kingdom. That's what they're asking him. So in, in Matthew 18, 1, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be number one, basically? And so look, look at what Jesus does. He calls a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell to you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the humble, the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes or receives one such child in my name receives me. It is beautiful. Mark, Mark 9.33. Now, that, that's Matthew's account. Now, Mark's account is actually Peter's. This is Mark telling Peter's story. This is actually Peter's account uh, told through Mark. It says, they came to uh, Capernaum. So remember Peter. You guys know Peter. Loudmouth Peter. Uh, came to Capernaum. When, it, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet. They avoided the question, basically. Uh, because on the way, they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them, taking the child in his arms. Look at the language difference, two different perspectives. Peter says, taking, him, taking the child in his arms, he said to, him, said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me and receives me. And whoever welcomes me not only receives me, but the one who sent me. Now he's relaying God's heart for them through, through himself and through the picture of a child and a childlike faith. Now, shoot over to Luke, Luke 9.46. It says uh, an argument started, so they're arguing. So this, this is Luke recognizing there's an argument going on. Uh, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, because he's Jesus, took a, took a little child and had him stand by his side. 
Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Now we've got three different accounts of the same thing, right? The same thing happened, but this says that this was important. This is important for us to know because it's in all three of these Gospels. It's all three people saw it. All three people saw something interesting, and it was important enough for, for them to put it in the Scriptures so that we could see each perspective specifically. Now look at the three people that are talking here. You've got Matthew, who's a tax collector, right? You've got Mark, who's actually recording this as Peter's story. Uh, and you've got Luke, basically Dr. Luke, who, who is very intelligent here. Um, but the audience for Matthew was primarily Jewish people. And so Matthew asked a question. He was asking who is the greatest. So Mark, on the other hand, avoided the question, which sounds like, I mean, it's not, not, not like Mark. Uh, Peter asked the question. I'm sorry. I'm getting off track. Peter avoided the question, just like Peter did when the, the cotton crow threw down. He avoided. He tried to get away. He's an avoider. Luke, who his audience was primarily non-Jews or Greeks, argued. The Greeks like to argue. They argued the validity of Christ. They argued the validity of one God. So you've got three different perspectives from three different personality types. You've got an asker, you've got a uh, avoider, and you've got an arguer. Now there's, there's a lot of us fall into those categories. There's a lot of us that are bold and will ask questions and want to know the answers, and some of us will, will avoid the questions, and some of us will argue and want to know, you know more and just argue about it. Now what's interesting, my, my favorite of the three is Peter. Because I find Peter in a position uh, that, that I was in for a long time and sometimes find myself in too as an avoider. When, when sometimes there's confrontation that comes along um, and I know that I need to, to seek the Lord, uh, there's been times, a lot of times in the past when I would avoid him. But what's the first thing people need that are actual avoiders? Most of them need a hug. <laughs> they don't want it. And, and that's, Kylie, I deal with this a lot. Kylie, when, when, we, when we get into something and I'm having to talk to her about something, she doesn't want to talk about it. She would rather pitch a fit or yell or tell her she'll talk over me. She, I guess she's a bit of an arguer too. But she'll talk over me. But I'll have to literally sometimes grab her and, and calm her down and hug her and love her to show her, look, it's okay. We need to talk about this, and we're not going to go anywhere until this is settled. And the neighbors might think I'm beating her because she's screaming <laughs> throughout the whole house, but it's not. We, I, I tried to, and I heard this years ago, to get down on her level and look at her. And so I'll, I'll get down and look at her and go, okay, are you done? Can we talk now? And let's, let's work this out. But isn't that, don't you find that with people that avoid? They don't want to be hugged or loved, but that's usually what they need. Right? And so look at his account of it. Let's go back. This is Peter's story. Verse 36, he says, Took this little child and he placed among them, taking this child in his arms. This is, this, is a, this is a picture where Peter is needing to hear this. You know, all the other disciples saw the same thing, right? But Peter needs to hear that he took him in his arms. Where, what's, what's in God's arms? He's got protection. He's got provision. He's got promotion. He's got security. He's got identity. This is what Peter needed. This is, this is Peter wanting to avoid this, but this is what he needs. He needs to see that he's just like a child, he's protected and taken care of. In the same way in the other accounts, we've got the, the, uh, the asker, and he's asking, he's asking. And so Jesus tells him that there's a, there's a child, and, and he brings him out in front of everybody, and he shows that he's called. This child is called. You're called. This is the position we find ourselves in. Jesus brings a child out and goes, okay, you're innocent, you trust me, but now you're called. You're called to do great things. Not only are you called, you're wrapped in his arms and you're protected by him. And then we get to the third one, and this is Luke. And Luke likes to argue. But when they're arguing, he, he puts him in this position, okay, you're by my side now. 
See the, see the difference in language that, that he uses? Now you're by my side. You're in right standing. Why is it so important that we keep talking about our righteousness in this church and how important it is that we're accepted? One of the main questions I heard two pastors talking about on the radio, I was listening to some podcasts. One of the main questions they get um, when people call in, they're like, I just want to know that I'm okay. And most of them are Christians. I just want to know that I'm okay with God. I need to know that I'm good. I need to know that I'm okay. Why is that so important? Because that shapes everything else in your life. Everything else that you do is shaped by knowing your identity in him. And so when he says, okay, I pull you out, this child, he's saying, this is what my kingdom's like. I pull this child out. Completely trust in me. I call you. I call you out to me. I wrap you in my arms for protection, and I care for you, and I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. Now I set you at my side in right standing with me. Now these three things are important because these are the positions we find ourselves, a lot of us more than others, in different positions here. But as we walk it out, we have to know that we're in that right standing before we can do anything else. Because this shapes everything else that we do. This is the deep, meaningful relationship that not just millennials seek, but we all seek. And we talked about last week, there's no shortcut to it. There's no shortcut to a good, deep, meaningful relationship. Now, the problem is social media and these things can be used to enhance those. They're not all bad. We want to target that and say that's what it is because it's an easy target because we can see it. It's a little more tangible. But the reality is what we're seeking is um, the, that dopamine seeking. It's the perpetual needing of something that's not there. The only time that stops is when you find what you need, and that's that right standing with God, and that's acceptance, and that's that love that you've been desiring, and you've either been avoiding about it, you've been avoiding it, you've been arguing about it, or you haven't even realized that it's there, right? This is, this is what, like I said, not just millennials need. This is what all mankind needs. This is what we're all seeking. Unfortunately, we've, we've from what I've seen in the churches, we've kind of, um, we've kind of, done the same thing that that guy did, and we've taken it back to the surface. And what we've done, uh, and I was reminded of this, like I said, I'm on the road a lot, and so I, I think and pray a lot, and I was reminded of my, my father. And because when I, when I look at, you guys know one of my biggest fears is, was not being able to father my children because I didn't have a good example. The cool thing is the Lord is showing me that he is even, even still, after my father's passed away years ago, showing me through the Holy Spirit, even showing me the way my dad worked with animals, uh, how to have deep, meaningful relationships, strange as that sounds. Um, before the horse whisperer became popular, uh, he was doing that type of, of horse training. He specialized in abused horses, horses that had been abused that were supposedly untrainable, that most of them were, were going to be put down because no one could train them and they were too dangerous to put people on. And so he would, he, I watched these old VHS tapes after he passed away and learned about his life and in, in that there were and with that were newspaper articles that showed big bite marks where horses had bit him on his side and on his shoulder and and, uh, and, I, and it took me back to the times when I went to visit him when uh, I, be, I became a teenager and was having all these issues and, and the, the counselor told my mom to get a hold of him and I went to visit with him and I didn't I barely knew him but I would see him wake I'd wake up early and he'd be out in a in a pasture with a horse just standing next to his horse and he was standing on that horse stand next to that horse all day into the night. And I didn't see him ever do any training that day. He literally would just stand there with the horse next to him and just pet him. It was the strangest thing to me, but I was like, that's weird. But looking back, he was building and seeing some of those videos how he would build trust with these horses. 
how he would sit on him with no saddle and, and he would hold his hand out and he was explaining, he was doing instructional videos. He was like, do you see that he's going this way, not out of fear, because if it was fear of me hitting him, he would go that way. I'm asking him to go this way and he trusts me and he goes this way. And I'm asking him to go this way and he trusts me and he's going this way. And I lean forward, I don't, even, I don't have spurs on, I lean forward and he goes forward. And I lean back and he stops. And he said, it's taken a long time to develop this. This didn't happen overnight. It's taken a long time to develop this training. And so in the same way, in the church, I've seen, and not all churches, but I've seen too many times where people are treated like horses and they're beaten. They've, treated, they've been treated badly because they want people's behavior to look different right now. And they're not willing to, to invest the time that it takes to build relationships with people and to get to know them and to find out what's really wrong. And it's not just the things on the surface. Things on the surface are a result of what's going on in their heart. And if we take the time to get to those places, you will radically transform a person and they will never be the same. And I'm evidence of it, and many of you are. This is, this is where we find ourselves as a church. Um, and it's, it's difficult for me to navigate this because this is, this is my first rodeo. <laughs> this is my first time doing this. So as we, as we adjust how we, how we do church by how I see um, how I see Jesus do it. Please know that, that in all of this, there's the microphone, I found it. In all of this, that's, that's my heart. My heart is, and most of you know this, and most of you are already operating in it, and it's cool to see you. And you come to me and you tell me this, or you, you'll, t- you'll use social media and you'll private message me, or you'll, or you'll text me and you'll tell me what's going on, and, and we'll, we'll pray for things, and we'll talk about things, and these things are already happening. But what's cool about that is, well, what's cool and what's frustrating, too, is I've got to remind myself constantly that this doesn't happen overnight. Um, we have finance meetings here, and, and whether I want to or not, I get stressed out sometimes and thinking, you know, can we make it? Are we going to be able to do it? You know, is this, is this going to be okay? And I know in my heart I don't want to grow a church so we can be cool and have lots of people. That's not my heart. But at the same time, I want to continue. Go. I don't want to not do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that, that's always in the back of my mind. Um, but at the same time, I'm always brought back to this, look, and the Lord will continue to say to me, look, this doesn't, this doesn't happen overnight. We've been planning, we've been talking about even these, these the, to the children's home outreaches for almost a year, you know, and it's taken a while to get, get these things going. But it's good, and it's going to take time for us to build a relationship with those guys over there. But in time, you know, this, we're going to look up two or three years from now, and we're going to go, wow, this, these are the seeds that we planted back in the beginning, back, you know, nine, ten months in. This is, this, is the, this is what we're beginning to see, the results of this. And not just that ministry. Somebody's texting me now. I'm a, tr- I'm a pastor. Come on, people. Um, th- these, are the things, these are the things that we're beginning to put in place now that I do, I really believe that we're going to begin to see lives change and flourish in that. Um, so when, when we do that, I, I want to encourage you guys not to get frustrated when you don't see, and not to say God can't radically change people. I've seen him do it, radically change it. But at the same time, I've seen more sustainable life changes through built relationships within groups like this. And that's what's so important. The same thing that 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 guy was talking about millennials are looking for is the same thing that we have in here, these deep, meaningful relationships that we build together in this church and even outside of this church. Um, All right, I got kind of way off topic. Well, not way off topic, but kind of went went my own direction. Um, So are, are we willing to to be led uh, like a child? Are we, are we willing to put ourselves out there? 
Are we willing to are we willing to trust? And I've said this before, either we either we trust them or we don't. <laughs> are we willing to trust that we are in right standing with him and walk alongside him? The thing I said at the beginning about running the wrong race. Uh, these disciples were trying to com- compete with, with other disciples when, when Jesus tried to explain to them and throw that out of the water. Look, you guys are missing the point. I'm what you're looking for. This child is who you should be like. All you need to know is that I'm good and you need to trust me that I've called you. I love you. I wrap my arms around you. Nothing can get you out of my arms. And you are beside me and you walk with me. Now what happens when when those of you that have kids and they, and they walk beside you, sometimes it's frustrating because you have to slow down and walk at their pace. <laughs> yes. Especially at, at Disney World. <laughs> when you're trying to keep them all together and wrangle them and everything, and you're like, we got to get there because there's going to be three million people in line. Um, but at the same time, we adjust to our kids, right? We, we adjust to them and we, make, we, we pace ourselves with them. That's the way God does with us. He, he takes his time and walks with us. So this is, this is, is he much more advanced than we are? Yeah. Right? But he, but, he, but he walks with us. And to me, I imagine, um, I imagine my, like my dad with the horses saying, I'm this way. And us going, I completely trust you. Yes, I'm going to go this way, not this, you know, this way. This is, this is the relationship, feeling, almost feeling his hand in the small of your back going, hey, I got you. And so we walk at that pace. But the cool thing is, the more we grow and we learn and we know him, the more we can go, okay, I need to help somebody else do this. And I need to walk at their pace. Do you see the difference? Not trying to outrun somebody else. And that's what he's trying to show them here. All three of these people have, have mixed it up and think that they're trying to get something that they already have. <laughs> have we heard that before? They're trying to gain more, like they need more. And so he's saying, you've already got it. Look, just be like this child and trust me. And so instead of trying to run this race and outrun everyone, look to, your, look to the people next to you and begin to make pace with them. Now, that's backwards thinking to a lot of us. We always say, okay, we need to, we need to yoke ourselves up with, with the same people and the same type of person. What good is that? Where does that get you? I say, <laughs> you need to yoke yourself up with him because his burden's easy. His, his yoke is easy. His burden's light. And you need to make pace with him and then make pace with others that can't keep up. This is, this is, the, this is the kind of holding hands, <laughs> keep your kids out of traffic type of thing. This is the yoke that he's given us, not outrun this guy. I'm better than you. That's, not, that, that's a whole different sermon. But I tell you this, um, I looked at all these scriptures, and, and I'm spoiled technology too. I had all different versions. I had like three or four you can look up on whatever website that I use for all my Bibles, but you can look up all the different versions, and you can look down all of them at the same time, and it's just, like, amazing. It's like, ooh, this is great. Uh, and then Fred turned me on to the Passion version, and so he's, I've got the hard copies of the Passion version, and I can, I can check those out, too. And so it's cool to see all these different versions. But in this one, I like, uh, at the end of Luke, uh, in the Message Bible, this is Eugene Peterson, Peterson's version. Um, and uh, I think it's verse 48. It says, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. You become great by accepting, not asserting. Your spirit, not your size, makes the difference. This is why, this is why a, a, 
a right standing and knowing that you're okay shapes everything else. This is why fighting for something you already have is pointless. <laughs> and is, it, it only seeks to make yourself better in your own eyes or in the eyes of people that really need you to not be that way. Does that make sense? Let me, let me try to say that a different way. When, when, when you judge yourself by yourself or by other people, you not only cripple yourself and your walk with Christ, you cripple other people because now you're competing with them instead of helping them. And now not only are you messing your, your own life up a little bit, you're messing theirs up because you're trying to strive for something you already have and they're needing you to give them something that you have and you're too busy trying to get it <laughs> to give it to them. Does that make sense? So there's this, there's this walk that we have and so when we, when we begin to see that it's not a race against people and we don't find acceptance, we don't find um, our identity in likes or social media or any of these things, but those in, in and of themselves are not the problem. The problem is we have to find our identity in him first. And from that shapes everything else that we do. So then your social media experience will completely shift and change. Just like I told you before, Reinhard Bonnke says, all I see there is a pulpit. We can use these things as tools. Now, are there practical things that you can do? Yeah, put your phone away when you're eating dinner with your wife because she'll knock it out of your hand. Mine does all the time. <laughs> and I do the same thing. Too. She'll shake her head. Yes, we started doing that. We, it's kind of a funny thing. We're not being mean, but we'll literally knock the phone. Like if we're talking to each other, we're doing something, and we... We get a text and I'll just, I'll just like, it is a bit of an addiction. It's like, I got to check. I got to see what it is. Somebody might need me and like I'm that important. <laughs> Somebody might need me. It's, and so I'll, I'll start looking at it and you get lost and you start looking through all the different things or whatever. And out of nowhere comes Tracy's little hand. And <laughs> like, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And she, I'll do the same thing to her. <laughs> and we're like little kids. Cause we go, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Because we agree, you know, so there, there is truth to some of that. When I mean, we're nowhere, we're not millennials <laughs> by any means. I couldn't fit in a pair of skinny jeans. I've got large chicken finger and fry thighs. So I've, I've got, uh, <laughs> so I've got, I've, so we have, we have tools just like anything else, just like any other addiction. It's just when you abuse stuff like that. So don't focus on, unfortunately, it's, it's too buzzy to talk about millennials and social media and all those things. Look, look to the source. Now, in saying that, when you find anybody else, millennials or other generations or people in general, know that that's not the problem and don't chase around those surfacey issues. Get to the heart of the problem. And the heart of the problem is they need deep, meaningful relationships. There's no shortcut to it. You can't, okay, you can temporarily scare them into it. That's what the church does pretty well. You can temporarily scare them into it. But if all you have is um, outward constraint, that's temporary. You know that. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir in here. Even though we have a choir. Um, <laughs> but know that what they need is deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. But guess who's a representation of that? You are. Amen. You may be the only representation they see of it. This is why we co-labor with him. This is what's cool about what I talked about last week when in the midst of somebody's tragedy, in the midst of somebody's tragedy, Jesus was speaking to me and changing my life. In the midst of your everyday life, you have no idea what kind of influence you have on people. Know that this Holy Spirit that you have is attractive and it's powerful and it's bigger and better than you thought. Amen. That's all I got. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. Um, when you. When you leave this place, I want to ask you, 
when you, and I don't talk much about practical things. I just want to give you good news and, for, and to bless you and the Holy Spirit will take care of this. As far as practical things, I want to, I want to encourage you to um, go out of your way to take, take time to spend with friends, family, kids, that kind of thing, but also the ones that serve you. For some reason, this has been heavy on my heart lately, like restaurants, that kind of thing. Um, those guys, some of them are doing okay, but some of them are really struggling. And, and so don't be stingy when you tip. <laughs> um, and this is, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well. And, and sometimes ask people, especially people that serve you, how they're doing. And I know a lot of them are busy and they don't have time, but sometimes you can ask them how they're doing and you can, you can just pray for them right there real quick. Or you can bless them in many different ways. This goes to a lot of different people, but it specifically, since it's been on my heart, I just want to share it with you. Just look, look for those opportunities, especially people that serve you, um, because they're very busy, and, and a lot of them don't make a ton of money. And, and uh, there are ways that you can bless them. Even if you can't afford it all the time, you can pray for them and you can love them. So, All right, Father, we just thank you uh, that as we leave this place, this is, this is not a... Uh, this is not a place where we leave your presence, that, 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 uh, that your presence goes with us. Father, we, we thank you that, that your goodness is not limited to these doors and this building and these chairs, uh, that as we go out, your, your presence goes with us and your Holy Spirit goes with us. Father, help us to just submit to your leading. Open our eyes to, to, <laughs> to your soft voice and, your, and your, your hand at the small of our backs just lightly guiding us to the places that we need to go that will ultimately benefit us even though we're avoiding them. Father, help us to be good receivers as you were speaking through worship that, that, that as we avoid those hugs and that love because we feel like we don't deserve it or we're not good enough or we're, it just feels weird, Father, that we would just openly t- take your embrace and that we would get lost in your arms. And we would know that we are protected and we are provided for, that above all things that, that you are what we've been seeking and you are the, the, above the, the dopamine source that we have, that you are above the, the, the symptoms that we have, that you take care of all of it for us. And Father, I thank you for all the, the quote-unquote, deep and meaningful relationships that we have here. But Father, most importantly, I thank you for your relationship that we have with you because from it flows everything else that we do. Father, as we see our right standing with you, Help us to go out and give away what you've given us, Father. It's the greatest gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome.